<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. I have my lovely co-host Jocelyn with me. Hey, I hey. feel like we should stop introducing ourselves because by now, if you don't know who we are, where have you been? <laughs> Facts. I mean, if you haven't been over to at Beyond the Bleachers underscore on IG, shame on you. Because if you're a real sophisticated <laughs> spectator, you would already be following us, okay? <laughs> exactly. So I think I need to consider that. We need to change our intro a little bit because I feel like they should just know us. Y'all should know us. And if you don't, well, no, I mean, because there's going to be new people all the time. So we have to welcome them and let them know who we are. So they, so if they you're see right, you're street, right. you know, at least they know who is who. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll have to figure out a way to mix it up a little bit and yeah. not just say the same script. Okay, we can agree to that. We can agree. But anyway, <laughs> it has been a crazy week for <laughs> the both of us. We are both out of town, but making it happen. Still keeping up with the game, still talking about all of the hot topics. Yeah. And so we have another exciting topic to talk about this week. Um, but first, before we actually get started on WBA stuff, I actually am in New York right now because if you're catching this episode on Monday, I went to the New York Liberty game on Sunday. So you guys will get that recap next week but anyway while i'm in new york i had the afternoon off nothing really going on so i just decided to like kind of see what's going on in the city and what i can get into and so i found this play at lincoln center it's called flex it's a small production it's all black women and it's about this high school basketball team dated in 1998. I don't think it's a true story, but it's kind of like fitting a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes place in 1998. And of course, that's right around the time that the WNBA was formed. And so it's about these five girls that play high school basketball in rural Arkansas. And for the first time ever, like in their life, they are now seeing basketball as a way to get out of like rural Arkansas and aspire to be in the WNBA. And so it was super cool because I'd never heard of the play before, um, but I went and took a chance and went to go see it. And it's such a good production. Um, so if you're in New York City, check it out. It's really good. On Tuesday, the 8th, they're going to have like a post-talk with Benajah Laney of the New York oh, Liberty. Cool. And that part is free if you buy a ticket. The ticket was only like $100. Huh? Um, and it was like a two-hour production. So if you're in New York City and you're interested in plays, of course you're interested in the WNBA, you're interested in basketball stories, go check it out. Because I feel like even though it wasn't a true story, it could really be like anybody's story, like anyone aspiring to, you know, play basketball whether it be on that college level on a professional level like just women aspiring to do something more than be stuck where they are um and so the story went into how like prior to the WNBA a lot of the girls you know in the story felt like they were just going to be stuck where they are and they were just going to live there get pregnant get married and be stuck you know (laughs) and so the the, it's the story of how the WNBA kind of gave them something to aspire to greater than you know their current circumstances so really cool. Like I said, all black female production, um, very well put together. And so I was very happy that I took a chance and went to that. Oh, that's really cool. That sounds like a, a really cool like play to watch, you know, especially for people of all ages, really, you know, like you said. So okay, I might have to check that one out when I get back <laughs> up that way. Do you know how long it's playing? I don't. I think it's a summer series, so it's at least going to be going through August. Okay. Um, And then they have double shows on Saturdays. And I think one other day, but I can't remember. Maybe Wednesdays. Um, But I definitely know on Saturdays they have an afternoon show and then an evening show. So I went to the evening show. Okay. Um, Yeah, check it out. I will. I'll I'll definitely check that out. (laughs) (laughs) 
if I get up there in time. <laughs> but anyway, so back to all things WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, my highlight of the week, I have to shout out the Connecticut Sun. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier in the season about the loss of Brianna Jones. You know, she ruptured her Achilles pretty early on in the season, uh, about a maybe a third of the way through the season. And so a lot of people were kind of feeling like, is like how much is this going to handicap them? We know mm-hmm. that Brianna Jones is a starting center. They have a huge like paint presence. And so how was Connecticut going to be able to adjust being that now they only had one big mm-hmm. in Olivia Nelson Adota and she's new to Connecticut and this is only her second season. So how is she going to be able to adjust to now getting more minutes um, off the bench? And then how are they going to adjust their starting lineup, you know, and still be the dominant force that they are? Right. And so, you know, I have to give a nod to their coaching staff of specifically um, head coach Steph White, who of course is leading the charge, and then assistant coach Brian January. This is her first season on the coaching side. We know she had a very long career in the WNBA, um, including playing under Steph White um, and with Steph White uh, with Indiana. She's also played with Connecticut. She played in Phoenix and then finished her career in Seattle. But now she's an assistant coach and she is one of the best defensive players in the history of the WBA. Mm-hmm. I think it's even better when you get to play with another defensive great and Tamika catchings. Um, I think that's where she like really honed in on her defensive skills. So to see how Connecticut has adjusted defensively, um, I really have to give a nod specifically to Brian January um, because I feel like at first, Um, At the beginning of the season, she was really just trying to soak everything in and really trying to find her place as an assistant coach. And so you saw her like taking a lot of notes. You saw her being very like, you know, verbal with the team. Mm -hmm. And she always had her clipboard in hand and was always just like trying to soak up all the information and write down as much as she can and really just be in the moment. And I think that now that we've gotten, you know, over the halfway mark in the season, we've really seen her step up. We've seen the defense step up and we've really seen her be a lot more vocal from the bench. She's jumping up a lot more and being, you know, more verbally involved. She's calling plays. Um, She's really taking charge of the defensive side of Connecticut. And so I'm really enjoying seeing how she has able to translate her defense as a player into now the defensive style that Connecticut has. Um, And they've been able to maintain their, you know, position at the top of the standings or kind of neck and neck for second um, seed. With New York, of course, the Aces are still like three, four games ahead. But it's nice to see how Connecticut, you know, has still stayed in it because a lot of people were kind of feeling like Connecticut might just take like a steady skid down the standings. But it's really their defense that has allowed them to stay, you know, really competitive um, this late into the season. Will it be enough for them to make it to the finals? I don't know, but they could definitely give a lot of teams a run for their money. And at the very least, like they're going to tire some teams out <laughs> by the time finals comes around. Absolutely. Um, so exciting stuff going on over there. I like the adjustments that are being made. The starting five has shifted, but it has been consistent, whether we love the new starting five or not. They have been consistent in staying with the um, the addition of Rebecca Allen in the starting five. Um, and so, yeah, it's been great to watch. Anybody that knows me knows that I love Rian January. She's one of my favorite players. And so to see her, um, uh, really thriving in this assistant coach role, who knows, she might be a head coach one of these years coming up because I definitely think that she's got it in her. Yeah, I could definitely see Brian January stepping into that head coach role. I mean, Let's not forget, though, who she has on her squad to help coach that defensive side. I mean, she's got A.T. and Alyssa Thomas. I mean, you you heard it here first. You probably heard it here everywhere that Alyssa Thomas needs to be in the talks around MVP for this year. I mean, she's been actively averaging uh, double-doubles. And, I mean, she's... Almost damn near consistent with triple doubles at this point. I mean, like, 
just recently she scored something crazy. I think it was like, what is it, like 20, 21 points with 20 rebounds or something like that. Or was it assists? I don't know. But either way, homegirl was balling. And, like, I'm just so ready for for them to just get to the next level down this season. I really do hope I see them in the playoffs. I hope I see them in the finals because they've really been working hard considering Brianna, uh, you know, Brianna Jones, rather, and her injury. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for them, and I hope to see them really just – and honestly, in the finals, I would love to see them matched up against the Aces. So we'll see. Yeah, I think them and the Aces have a lot of history. And so if they do end up making it to the finals, it's definitely going to be intense. And I, I, I definitely think, like you said, they have so many great players on their team. And also, let's not forget that Dewana Bonner is, you know, their X factor. She is the player that has won a ring before. She's actually won... Mm-hmm. Has she won two rings with yeah. Phoenix? Um, yeah. And so she knows how to win. She knows how to be on a championship team. And so when you're thinking like X factor, you're thinking defense, which comes from Breon January side. And then you're thinking who's that person that's going to give that push, you know, having that experience. And that's going to be your Dewana Bonner. And then having players, like you said, Alyssa Thomas, that are just going to be the engine and kind of do all of the things is just like the icing on the cake. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the finals either. Yeah. I mean, when you have Alyssa Thomas grabbing, it was 21 points she had. She grabbed 20 rebounds and she had 12 assists. Like, come on now. If you have a player playing like that, that's all over the court, you know, and you know the defensive presence that she brings. She deflects all the time. She disrupts down in the paint for sure. So, yeah, I mean – I'm really excited about, you know, like the guidance that they have in Breon January. But uh, I have another thing that I have to say because, listen, you know I love my aces. I know, I know, I know I'm biased. But there was another highlight I wanted to talk about because <laughs> it's like a double whammy for me, really. Um, Elena Coates, she's a former Gamecocks alum, okay? She was a forward for University of South Carolina and the Las Vegas Aces just announced recently that Homegirl is now been signed to a hardship contract. So she'll be playing over there with Asia Wilson, her former Gamecock teammate. I'm excited to see what they have to, you know, going on over there. Hopefully Elena gets some uh, playing time because she adds power down low for sure. You know, like she's not the super, super tallest, but she stands about six foot four, I believe. So, uh, you know, that's definitely some height that they can, you know, add to down low, especially her being having, you know, some sort of chemistry with Asia Wilson. So I'm excited to see all of that play out. Um, and hopefully it's like a really good run for them because, I mean, obviously the Aces aren't really hurting, but it'd be cool to see them add another, you know, bit of like height down there being those, you know, Candace is out with her injury. Again, speedy recovery. But, um, yeah, it'll be cool to see, you know, Elena out there on the on the court with Asia at the same time if they run it that way and uh, and see what she brings to the Aces. Yeah, I definitely think that she's going to be an interesting mix to the lineup. Um, I was watching an interview recently with Asia Wilson where she was talking about how um, the four is, like, her favorite position to play. Mm-hmm. But when Candace came in – she made the decision to move to the five because she wanted to give respect to her vet and let her vet play the four. So she's moved up to the five. Um, But now you're starting to see like in certain lineups, most notably when Kia Stokes is in, you know, because she's been starting ahead of Candace, like Asia gets to play her four position, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the same position that she played with Elena Coates when they were together in Carolina. Um, So, I know that there's chemistry there. There's always going to be chemistry when it comes to like your former teammate that you played three years of college with, Mm -hmm. won a championship with, won multiple SEC championships with. Um, It's just going to be a matter of, like you said, like is Becky going to give her the playing time? We've already seen that she has been in the gym with them. So it's not like a hardship contract where you signed today and we need you on the court tonight. <laughs> you know, she's already been with them a few days. Yeah. Um, the first time that she'll get a the potential opportunity to play will be against New York. 
-hmm. So I don't know what that will look like. I think it depends on how much of a lead Vegas can get, you know, will determine how comfortable Becky will be with, you know, letting some of her bench players play. Mm -hmm. But I would love to, you know, the opportunity to see the both of them on a court together. I think this is something that a lot of people have been wanting when you're talking like hardship contracts. A lot of people have been saying like, yo, Candace is out. Like, get Elena. What are we doing? Right. You know? Um, and so Elena's been, you know, doing her thing overseas. She's been doing her thing in the WNBA offseason. And so, you know, who knows? This may be a new home for her, maybe a rest of the season home for her. I, I don't know. But I'm excited cool. about the opportunities just because when you have two people that have great chemistry and then you have a player like Asia Wilson that has such a strong bond with the other players on her team. Like, I feel like she's the glue that will, you know, hopefully be able to bring everybody together. Um, so it's, it's going to be exciting to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely will for sure. So there has been a lot of talk about two players in particular this week, both of which coincidentally are not playing this season for two totally different reasons, but it has caused a lot of buzz and has really kind of once again brought on this overarching topic of, I guess, the the Black female villain. Mm. Um, and so we just kind of want to talk about it a little bit because we feel like these two players have been, I guess, given a narrative that doesn't really match like what we've seen. And I feel like a lot of mainstream media has kind of gone along with this narrative. And of course, we always have to give our devil's advocate opinions yeah. because that's what we do but also because we want to talk about like how we as black women really feel about our fellow black women being painted in a light that's not necessarily positive yeah um so the first article that came out this week was um about kennedy carter um kennedy carter is no longer playing in the WNBA right now she was waived um, back in March 2023 um, to start this uh, 2023 season. Um, she spent her first two seasons in Atlanta, 2020 and 2021. She then spent 2022 in LA and was waived by LA, making her a free agent, like I said, in March. Um, but I think that the bigger story is that they have kind of painted her to be a difficult player to work with and cited that as the reason why teams don't want her. Um, and so she's been on a little bit of a journey. She talks a lot in the article about her journey of growth and maturity and self-reflection and leaning on big names in the league, specifically Jewel Lloyd of the Seattle Storm mm -hmm. and Nikki Collin, who was her head coach in Atlanta and is now the head coach at Baylor University mm -hmm. for the women's basketball team. Um, so we just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what her story looks like um, in terms of Black women being painted as a villain in the league. Um, so Joss, I don't know if you have anything that you wanted to say to kind of segue the conversation a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, how, how I always talk about, I don't really like certain attitudes when it comes to certain players. I'm, I'm, I've been a person that likes the humble player, but there's other players that you can't help but watch their shine. I think that, uh, that's true of, uh, you know, Kennedy Carter. She's one of those players that they even nicknamed Hollywood because they knew that she was going to be big time in the W. Um, but her attitude was something that was a bit of a challenge. And I think with, with young, you know, you know, I guess ambition and ego, there comes, you know, sometimes a lot of clashing, especially when you're a rookie coming in. I think she even had wanted to be, uh, you know, named the number one draft pick that year, that year she was drafted. And I think, who was it? I think it was Sabrina, right? Sabrina Ines. It was. 
was number one over her and uh, she had trouble with that and you know trying to figure out who she was but knowing who she was because she put up points big points on you know when she could play when she was really getting utilized so you know it's kind of hard <laughs> it's kind of hard on her part because again I say she's young so getting the guidance is um is she's one of those players that needs that constantly at least like a, a coach that really believes in her and her ability and I think that's also really what she's saying you know she needs that and a coach but she also needs to understand that not every coach is going to pour into her that way because that's just not how life is unfortunately I think great coaches will do that but the kind of coach that she needs I don't think she's ever gotten and she's also had to deal with her own side so you know playing devil's advocate here like yes I think that the media constantly will you know play you know the, the black woman is the villain all the time but she also has to take accountability, which she has, you know, like mentioned in the article, she said that she's taken accountability for her actions and her attitude and she's grown. She's just, she just needs to, you know, the opportunity. And she's like, she, she chooses, she chooses where she goes, you know, because of her own work ethic, because of her talent and because of her ambition. So. I could definitely see that. I also kind of feel like, I think of a player like Kobe Bryant that yeah. also came in with a chip on his shoulder. He was 18 years old. He had a lot to prove because, you know, not that many players come straight out of high school going into the league. Mm -hmm. um, and now they don't even do it because you're required to go to college for at least a year. Um, and so I think of the chip that he had on his shoulder and how that's who he was. That was the kind of player that he was. Yeah. Um, and while he did have to kind of hone it in and, and channel that energy for good, for the betterment of the team, I don't think that there's anything wrong with playing a chip on your shoulder. You know, if we look a little bit into Kennedy Carter's, um, backstory, this is a girl that, or a woman now, but as a girl was raised with brothers. Mm -hmm. And so she had to be tough. This is a woman that as a girl, her dad was her. I guess, trainer at home yeah. and made her play practice basketball barefoot mm -hmm. um, because oh. he wanted her to adapt to all different types of styles and all different types of environments and still be able to push through and play. This mm -hmm. is a girl that has constantly felt like she has had to prove herself and prove her worth. Um, and I can imagine that being very tiring, you know, especially as a black woman, I think of my own career and always having to, you know, prove my worth every time I come into a room. And now you're not only doing it for the people that you work with and work for, but you're doing it in front of millions of people every day, you mm -hmm. know? And, you know, when she went through that basically season long suspension, we were not given a reason as to why she was suspended other than, you know, attitudes that were detrimental to the team. But you ex like you as the media expect me to just go along with this narrative that this second year player who is still young gets suspended for an entire season minus 11 games, you know, gets, gets suspended for the big majority of the season. But you have nothing to say other than attitude that was detrimental to the team. But you have other players that have been in domestic violence situations. You have players that have gotten DUIs. You have players that have gotten into physical altercations with other players and you address it and you move on. You know, mm -hmm. not only did she get suspended for pretty much the entire season, but then she got traded. Yeah. And then when she got traded, she continued to be mostly on the bench. Yeah. You know, this is your number four pick in 2020 who was leading Atlanta in minutes. Mm-hmm you know, in her rookie season. Yeah. So while she may have some attitude adjustment that may be necessary, I, I just, I don't agree with the narrative that's being painted that we're just supposed to go along with she has a bad attitude because while she does play with a chip on her shoulder, I don't know that I've necessarily seen like bad attitude. And it's going to take a lot more for me to buy into that narrative without 
some sort of evidence. And I know they don't they don't have to give the evidence, but I just I can't buy into the narrative that this young black girl is just a lost cause. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, I was to say a lost cause. It's kind of like nobody wants to touch her. Like is her attitude that bad that it's giving she's difficult to work with, you know? And it's kind of yeah. like she's a young kid who's really talented coming out of college, you know, showing, you know, she's amazing and everybody really knowing that, but not being able to like help her reel it in. We all, we all know that there's that one kid. Yes. She's a woman now, but there's always been that one kid that's exceptional, but like they have an attitude adjustment thing to go through, but your, your coaching is not that great to do that, to turn this like already amazing player into a freaking fantastic, great one. I don't get that, you know, I, so yeah. like, and then the narrative, like you said, they're spewing is all negative and we're lacking to see all the great things that she can bring and the potential she has, you know, like, it's just, it's wrong. You, like you said, and it's because our, you know, we already know the counterparts that she has. We don't ever hear anything, especially the main one, Sabrina, which it seems to be the, the lucky one this year. Like, it's just... It's, we it can, we can see it. We can see it. We don't hear about the things that, you know, we don't hear about the things that, that Sabrina does that's not cool too much. They But the minute that she does something amazing, <laughs> that's all we hear about. Well, and let's not forget all of the things that were going on that were affecting Black people and specifically mm-hmm. Black women in 2020. I mean, we had the pandemic. Yeah. We and so it was the bubble season already taking a toll on your mental health, potentially taking a toll on your physical health. We had the George Floyd murder mm-hmm. and the, I guess, resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Um, and all of the subsequent shootings that happened around that same time period, um, you know, with Breonna Taylor and lots of others. I won't even go into all the names because I don't want to forget anybody. Right. Um, but I specifically say Breonna Taylor because they did a lot to honor her during the WNBA season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had all of that going on. Um, you had the ownership issue. Mm-hmm. If you are not familiar with the ownership issues that were happening in, uh, with the Atlanta Dream around that time, Google it. Because they did a lot to get that ownership out of Atlanta. Yeah. And so that was a very tumultuous time, not only for us as black women, but specifically for the Atlanta dream, you Mm -hmm. know? And so to completely like write this player off, it's giving, we need a narrative and she was easy target. Yep. Because while she did have her own personal struggles and Nikki Collin kind of went into it a little bit during the interview where, I mean, in an article they interviewed her and she was saying that, you know, one of the things that she kind of had to coach Kennedy through was that, you know, she was always playing with this mentality of like, it's me against you. Like, it's me against Sabrina or me against Diana Taurasi or me against whoever my my man is. Yeah. And she kind of had to coach her that it's not you against the player. It's your team against their team. Exactly. And the reason why you're not finding success is because even though this is a team sport, you're playing as though you're one-on-one. Mm-hmm. You're not playing as though you have 10 or 11 other players fighting with you for the Mm -hmm. same thing, you know? And so that's something that, like you said, you need a a coach that's going to be willing to take the time to say, you're not on an Island here. Like we're all here working towards the same goal. And instead of you feeling like you have to take on this opponent or you have to take on this player, no, it's all of us taking on this opponent, you know? And so, yeah, there's a lot of a learning curve to that when you're so used to, being the star and used to kind of having to drive the train by yourself right? Um, or having that feeling, I would say, of driving the team by yourself. But um, I think that it's hard sometimes for us as Black women to not feel like we're on an island mm-hmm. because we have so many things working against us just in society. Even when we're surrounded by other wonderful Black women, we still feel like sometimes we're just so alone and sometimes we're fighting these battles alone. And so one of the things that Nikki Collin said was that, you know, even now she's still mentoring her and she still sees her 
as like someone that could one day be a hall of famer, you know, and she still could potentially have a home in the WNBA one day soon, but she's got to get, you know, I wouldn't say the chip off her shoulder, but she's got to take a little bit of that Island ness away and really want to adapt to working, you know, in that team mentality. But I just, I really don't understand like the narrative that has been painted, you know, that she is this like horrible player that doesn't want to work with the team and stuff like that. Like all of those team dynamics stay within the locker room. They stay within the confines of the team. So for any other team to even hear whispers that maybe Kennedy Carter is not a team player, that just simply comes down to Atlanta was not doing her job and keeping locker room talk in the locker room. Because there is no reason that any other team should have the feeling that I don't want to sign this player because they're not a team player unless you've been hearing murmurings from the team themselves. I feel that. Yeah, I think that there's somebody who doesn't like her. You know, they don't like her because I I don't understand why, again, like we mentioned, why you wouldn't touch like like when you like you kind of don't even want to try and attempt to coach her. Like, they're just like, nah, you know, like, it's giving, like you said, low-hanging fruit. Like, she was, like, somebody that they can just target. But also, it's just, it also feels like nobody, there's nobody else besides Nikki that wants to try to coach this kid. I mean, she's still young. I think, what is she, like, 24 or something like that? You know, she's not too far removed from college life. You know, yes, I understand you would hope that certain players are already honed in, but like, look at Diana Taurasi. She never lost her attitude. She always plays. She's still not reeled in. She's still right. She's not reeled in yet, you know. But and, people yeah. embrace that, you know. Exactly. Shout out to Diana Taurasi right. for hitting, ten, you know, 10,000 points this week. But she wouldn't have done that if people reined her in. That's what I'm saying. You know, and so people yeah. let her run free run wild and she can still be the face of the league or the face of phoenix and nobody has a problem with it but she's always been known to have a bad attitude Mm -hmm. i've seen the bad attitude myself in person (laughs) so i mean let's just be fair across the board you know let's just be fair on all sides like a bad attitude is a bad attitude you know, a good attitude is a good attitude. A, a great attitude is a great attitude. Like, but you have to, acknowledge. like you said, you have to acknowledge and, and perpetuate the attitude that you want to see. Yeah. You know, I agree. And acknowledge the talent, acknowledge the talent that you see there. Like they always think, I think about people that, that are struggling with like attitude adjustments. Like I, I look at them like there's something there that we need to unlock. We have to uncover something's going on there. Why are you thinking this way? Why are you feeling this way? Why are you presenting this way? Somebody needs to just sit down and talk with her. And like we know, she has this big chip on her shoulder. She thinks it's her against that main or big star, you know, player over there. Yes, that's got ego in it. Talk to her about how she can use that to her power. It worked with Kobe. It worked with Michael Jordan. It worked with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Magic Johnson. You know, it's like, yes, you can play with that kind of fire and mentality, but you also know how to get, you also have to know how to get your other teammates involved. So, but that that doesn't mean, that's also not hard to coach. You know what I mean? Like, if you see the talent there and she can really add to your, you know, whole team dynamic, if you're trying to win games, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, because there's definitely some teams right now that could use her. I'm not going to yeah. mention none because I think we all know who's standing at the bottom of the standings. Phoenix. I think we all know who those bottom feeders are right now. But there are definitely some teams that could use her scoring ability. Yes. That could use her defense. Absolutely. That could just use a strong presence mm-hmm. because there are some teams that are just lacking some identity and could use like some toughness. Yeah. And so I definitely think that she's six, two, right? Something like that. Yeah. She's like a six, two guard. Mm-hmm. So she's a big guard. Yeah. All teams. need. And that. we all, we know that there's some teams out there that could use a guard. All teams need that. Yes. <laughs> <Indiana>. <laughs> 
but we're not going to go into no more teams because we know who they are. They're typically at the bottom of the standings. <laughs> but even the Sparks, like the Sparks chose to waive her. Mm-hmm. And while the Sparks have a lot of guards, probably more than they need. This is true. They definitely also need some help. Yeah. Because they are seriously struggling over there. <sighs> With keeping their players healthy, with finding some sort of consistency, finding some sort of chemistry, that's a whole other story for another day because, you know, I don't know that I believe in their coach either. But (laughs) while L.A. waived them, L.A. is also a team that seriously could be utilizing her and could have utilized her from the get-go. Yeah. You know, so... Sometimes decisions you make, the judgment calls that you make, the judgments that mm-hmm. you make yeah. tend to bite you in the butt later. And I think that we're seeing that, you know, their current coaching staff was not willing to coach her to where she needs to be. Yeah. And if you're not going to coach your players, then why are you a coach? But, well, like I said, that's a story for another day. Sam, you are coming with the heat today. <laughs> Another story for another day because there is there has been another article that has come out about another one of our lovely players that unfortunately she has been painted as a villain as well. And this player I really don't understand. Like I could understand how some people can kind of feel some type of way about Kennedy Carter because like you said, she has a chip on her shoulder. Not everybody is going to like that type of player. Yeah. But Skylar Diggins Smith is quite possibly now I don't know her personally Mm -hmm. never met her before but she quite possibly might be one of the most genuine people I've ever seen in terms of like basketball celebrity Mm. and she constantly gets painted as a villain because one thing that if you follow Skylar Diggins journey one thing that you need to know about Skylar Diggins is when she gets fed up, she's going to speak her mind. Yeah. And she's never going to let the league silence her. She's never going to let her agents silence her. She's going to say the things that need to be said. And I think for that, a lot of people don't like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but a player like that, I appreciate because if we're talking about making this league bigger and better, sometimes you have to call out the injustices that are going on in your own league, in your own organization. True. And so earlier in this season, we talked about the situation with Dierka Hamby and how she got traded, you know, after announcing that she was pregnant. Well, now we have Skylar Diggins, who is on maternity leave. Um, which means that she's on a protected contract. It's kind of considered like an injury, like you still get paid um, because the new CBA says that it is a, you know, protected contract. So she's an employee technically of the Phoenix Mercury still because she is technically still on the roster Mm -hmm. and she is an employee of the WNBA by virtue of the Phoenix Mercury, but she has not been allowed to use any of the facilities or resources that I would assume are her rights as a player, whether she is on maternity leave or not, as a player of the Phoenix Mercury and of the WNBA. And she has called them out on it because it's ridiculous. Like she doesn't have access to the practice facilities, to the athletic staff, to the nutritionist, to the massage therapist, to the chiropractors, to anything that any other player would have access to. And the first sightings we saw of Skylar Diggins being back in the gym, she was literally at a local Phoenix YMCA Mm -hmm. because she is, has been locked out of all of the Phoenix Mercury facilities. And so she's speaking out on it because it's not right, you know? And so when we're talking about black women being painted as a villain, this is someone that is speaking up for an injustice and She's being basically told to get over it. And I told you this earlier, but I hate when players speak out about these injustices and the league don't have nothing to say about it. Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that the league doesn't have anything to say about the important issues 
that are really going on behind the scenes because it's all about the bottom dollar, you know? But once again, the league has declined to comment on the situation, but it is a problem because you have an employee that is now being painted as disgruntled when she's just looking for some due diligence. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really disgusting to look at. It's it's disgusting to watch and to listen to. I mean, first of all, what has she really done? Besides, we we I mean, we've seen the little beef that she's had on the sidelines with uh, Diana Taurasi, and that's what makes me think. I don't know. Has DT have a does DT have a little bit to do with this? You know, does she not want to be around with with Skylar Diggins in the facilities or what have you? But even though, either way. It's just wrong. You know, the the Phoenix Mercury's camp is wrong for this because you have a player that's been excellent, that's really held you and held your hand last year. Like, you probably wouldn't have done anything. I mean, well, you know, like, before she went on um, maternity leave, you know. She like, was leading Phoenix in minutes. There we go. Like, you know, it's not like she hasn't been a player that's positively contributed to any of the success she played while she was pregnant she played early on in her yeah she played while she was pregnant before she went on to yes exactly to maternity leave so like what else do you want from this black woman who's very freely honest and open about like you said the things that are going on and she's not going to be the one to hush hush be quiet quiet you know, she's not going to have somebody talk to her in your way because we all know that's, again, be, people love to love to hate the freaking, you know, attitude. And uh, some people might even say charisma that Diana Taurasi has. But the minute that is shown on another player with the darker hue, it's a problem. You know, you, you're trying to lock this player out. And I mean, it's not even like they're not going to need uh, you know, Skylar, but I think she would be crazy to go back. But it's the principle at this point. I mean, just recently, uh, Shea Petty took a accidental elbow to the back of her head uh, by storm forward Jordan Horston. Just who was this? I think this was just recently. And, uh, you know, I think Jordan was going for the ball and um, she ended up getting hit in the head, like in the back of the head. It looked like the side from what I could see, but, you know, Jordy was just shifting with the defense as you normally would and accidentally ran into Shea Petty elbowing her. And now, you know, Shea Petty had to get taken off the floor off of, with a stretcher. So what do you think is going to happen? First of all, I, I think there's like a freaking curse on the Phoenix Mercury. All the things that they've been going through. You got BG2, who, you know, just last year in Russia, and now she's out, you know, with uh, due to mental, uh, you know, mental illness uh, well, mental health I'll say, I'll say so it's kind of like y'all need not to have any more nonsense coming out of y'all camp or any more like tumultuous situations trials and tribulations because <laughs> it's a lot going on over there and you know now with Skylar it just doesn't make any sense and you know I'm pretty sure she's not going to want to stay long but again it's the principle of the fact However they're running their, their program out there, their organization, is petty, it's wrong, and they need to fix it. Because now it's out there, good, you know, thanks to good sis Skyler. So, you know, they're going to need her. They're going to need her. They're losing players. They're literally losing players left and right. People don't want to play on the team. They're getting hurt on the team. You know, it's like there's something wrong over there. And this is where they can probably start cleaning it up by treating Skylar right for at least the remainder of the season. No, what they do is they made the next All-Star game in Phoenix to try and cover up for all of the drama that is currently going on in Phoenix. And that's not the way you want to do it. Like, that team is literally falling apart. It started Mm. last year with, like you said, we saw some back-and-forth banter, Mm. not in a good way between Skylar Diggins and Diana Taurasi. And I didn't take it as anything more than competitiveness. You know, Skylar is one of those players that is going to play her heart out at every game. And she's going to challenge every player around her to be at that same level. Mm-hmm. But she's also the type that if you are not at that level, she's going, she like makes you be at that level. Like she's going to propel you to that level. She makes the people around her greater and better. And 
Diana Taurasi is not exempt from that just because she is one of the greatest of all time or whatever. Like, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I'm going to challenge you too. And I'm going to get up in your grill and be like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? And so I didn't see it as anything more than two people that are equally competitive, but are on the same team having a disagreement. People made a big deal out of it, but I'm like, she's competitive. She's competitive. They're competitive towards each other. Like I need y'all to be having active conversations with your players because not all the time are y'all all going to be on the same page. No. So I didn't take it as anything, but then it got worse mm. when Skylar was named as an all-star last year and Diana Taurasi wasn't. I got to take a deep breath before this one. Breathe. And the head coach goes on to make a statement saying that the all-star game isn't basically a legit all-star game if Diana Taurasi is not on a roster. Mm-hmm. To which Skylar Diggins went on Twitter and posted a clown emoji because it was a clown move. Like, you can't just acknowledge the greatness that you have in one player, but instead you kind of knock it by saying, well, it's not legit because this other player didn't get right. in. Mm-hmm. You know, so... That was really a telltale sign to me that, like, something is going on in Phoenix, you know? And then the murmurs that Brittany Griner, even prior to her arrest and missing last season, there were murmurs that Brittany Griner was not happy with what was going on with the upper management in in Phoenix. You know, we have the transition of GMs happening. Um, We had the firing of Vanessa Nygaard Mm -hmm. because the team was only, I think, 2 and 10. When she got fired, you know, so there's been a lot of transition going on. The league has nothing to say about any of it because that's Diana's precious team. Like, we don't want to say anything, but then we're going to take this dysfunctional team and make them the center and the focal point of the 2024 All-Star game. Like, in in what world does that make sense? Meanwhile, I know the the All-Star game had been in Connecticut for a few consecutive years. It could probably use a break from New York, but you have 12 teams in the (laughs) WNBA. Why would you pick Phoenix? (laughs) Like, (laughs) they don't need any more spotlight because all the spotlight they've been getting has not been good. And I think Skylar Diggins is now like banging the nail in the coffin. Like, this is how much is not right. And what makes it even worse is that she's on maternity leave. So now this is becoming a women's rights issue. This is becoming like... Is there going to be a potential like litigation or lawsuit because you're infringing upon my rights as an employee that is on maternity leave? Like Mm -hmm. we could go on and on about all the ways in which her rights may now be infringed upon because of this decision, just like with the D'Erica Hamby situation. Like we got to give these women their respect where it's due because Skylar Diggins works too hard to not get the praise that she deserves you know people were saying like oh she had complaints about what was going on in dallas dallas is a hot mess too no nobody wants to talk about that but greg babe lord knows what he's doing over there because up until this this year they was doing terrible too and they had all the talent in the world you know, and they still like Dallas will even with all the talent they got now is still struggling to get it together because they go on a win streak and then they start losing and they go on a win streak like so it's a hot mess over there too you know so let's not act like she's just this disgruntled person that doesn't want to play for anybody she's just unhappy where no she is going to call you out on your BS if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing they wasn't doing it in Dallas and so she was like I gotta go she not doing it in, they not doing it in Phoenix and now this is the last year of her contract so technically next year she could be like I'm not resigning with y'all like I'm going somewhere else where people actually appreciate me and like we said with Kennedy Carter there are plenty of teams down here that could use some guards yeah. specifically a point guard once again Indiana so <laughs> we have to be really careful about how we treat these players especially are black women because there's so much already riding against us mm-hmm. come on and like with the league not having a statement like i understand you know you don't want to make a statement without doing your investigations or whatever but come on like phoenix has been in more 
situations than not that require an investigation. Absolutely. Let's get a move on already. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah, I'm just tired of this ill, uh, you know, narrative that's on our Black women and and the W. Cut it out. Cut it out because we've seen it and it on a different hue and it's no different. You know, the, well, the difference is a lot of our players are just better. That's it. You know. <laughs> All right. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying. But, again, but this is where we have our highlight segment. This is where we have our breakout star segment because we're not going to sit here and talk about the same players all the time. Like we're going to give, like we always say, our credit where credit is due. And we're going to put a shine on those players that if they're not going to get it from the league, they're going to get it here because we're sick of it. We're sick of seeing the same faces. We're sick of, you know, putting the same sweeping the same stories under the rug in favor for stories that may be more appealing air quotes for those of you that can't see the camera but more appealing to the masses no we're going to talk about the stories that need to be talked about period yeah and give our real honest opinion like the real thing that i'm sure a lot of y'all are thinking and just won't say you know it's the facts and we'll call it out and I think I think it's great what we're doing. I think it's wonderful that we're spotlighting these women that don't, like you said, they don't get the shine that they should and they deserve. And again, we always give respect where respect is due. So we going are we gonna hop into the breakout stars? The week? Let's do it. Let's hop into the breakout stars. Let's hop in. So my my breakout star this episode is Emma Cannon. I'm sure that's a name that not, a lot of you haven't really heard in a while or just heard. Period. She is number thirty two and six foot two forward on the Indiana Fever. I mean, she had a standout performance this past Tuesday. She was leading the team in scoring and helped them pull out a one point win, seventy two to seventy one over the Phoenix Mercury, keeping it in the ring, like just to, uh, to put a freaking nail in the coffin again, the Phoenix Mercury, another loss, Jesus. But anyway, Cannon has been in the league for four years and averages six to seven points per game and around three to four rebounds and at least one still. So this season, it's just a high game for her. This is a season high for her because she's she had 23 points, y'all nine rebounds and she kept in her average with that one assist i mean you can tell she had a hot hand that night being you know averaging like only one assist so she was the one with the hot head clearly and unfortunately it seems like Aaliyah boston not so much too many touches that night because i think she only finished with like six points which is kind of crazy but um but either way going back to emma cannon she had a great game so i have to congratulate emma you had an amazing game. Keep it up. But also, what y'all doing with Leah Boston? Okay, that's not. <laughs> I had to say it. But congrats. We could go on and on about Leah Boston. Uh, every, every episode. So. <laughs> but we're going to save that one for next episode because I'm sure there'll be more that we can talk about. <laughs> Too many more. Oh. But yes, Emma Cannon, congratulations, girl. <laughs> that's a good one and I think that I mean we've talked about it before with Indiana they desperately need some veteran leadership they need a veteran presence out there not to say that they don't have vets on their team but they really need like a strong leader and yeah. I mean Emma Cannon she hasn't necessarily had consistency in the league but she keeps coming back like time and time again because mm-hmm. when people need her they're looking for a specific type of player you know what i mean and so there's a reason why she keeps coming back because she's needed yeah yeah um so my breakout star is natasha howard of the dallas wings we have talked about her before but she recorded her first triple double this week on august 4th She is the second player literally in like a week's time to um, have a triple-double. So she had a breakout night. Unfortunately, they did lose to Chicago, but she finished with 28 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. 
huge night. Huge. Natasha Howard is a three-time champion. She has grown so much in her years um, in the league and has really just become like an X factor when you're talking like who's the difference maker in these games. Natasha Howard is definitely one of them. Um, She won two rings with um, Minnesota, one ring with Seattle. She's out her first season in Dallas and she's really doing it big for the bigs. (laughs) (laughs) Like she really is just showing that bigs can do it too, you know, because normally you expect like triple doubles from like your guards. And so to see her as a big being able to do it, like I think of other bigs that have done it, like Candace Parker, it's always such a big deal because, you know, these days you have to be able to do it all. You have to be able to be an offensive and defensive presence. So you have to know how to shoot the ball. You have to know how to play make. You have to know how to rebound. You have to know how to dribble. You got to know how to, like, you have to know how to do all of the things. And so you can see people adjusting their games to be able to do all of the things. So at one point, Natasha Howard was not a big like scoring presence. When she first started out, she was only averaging seven points a game. Last season, she averaged 15 points. So that that's already a big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to see her growth over the last, well, she's been in the league a little over a decade, um, is really, she's one of those players that's just like a sight to see, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see her go from being like a role player to now being like an X factor on a team, huge accomplishment. Got to give a nod to her. Got to give a nod. I mean, again, another player who could be, you know, up for that MVP. It doesn't, I don't think it always should be a player who's on the winning championship team. You know, it could just be a player who's does, who does the most and the best for her team. And like you said, these bigs are showing up, showing out again. Back to Alyssa Thomas, Tw- like big triple double. I still can get over twenty one points, twenty rebounds, thirteen assists. That's just crazy. But like yeah, these numbers that are being put up in these triple doubles, like to have twenty eight points and still be able to rebound and pass. Like Natasha <laughs> Howard was just like on one. Yes, yeah, you know. Was. So like you said, just like putting up big numbers, not just like ten, ten, and ten, like. Mm-hmm. They're doing it above and beyond. Yeah. Right. But it's like you're going above and beyond, you know. Such a pleasure to see. Um, I can only give my nods to her. Yeah. You got to give your nods to to, uh, Natasha Howard. Like, amazing. Amazing. Amazing players. And, again, like I said, these bigs are out here. I don't know. MVP. It's definitely going to a big, like, no matter how you cut it. <laughs> these guards yeah. are, I feel like, the only guards that's probably got, like, somewhat of a chance is maybe Chelsea Gray. Yeah. Yeah, like... I think that the bigs are stepping up. It's becoming a big, bigs league. Yeah. Um, And so we're definitely seeing that shift. I love that... Um. Our one of our faves, Candace Parker, has kind of been like a part of that transition. Absolutely. Um, to see it go from like a guard heavy league to a bigs league because she was one of the first. I won't give her total credit, but she was definitely one of the first that like made that transition to just an all around player. And we never saw that really from bigs, you know, prior to her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to see her like be a part of that shift and still be present as that shift is happening, I'm sure she's like feeling all of the feels down deep inside because she was one of the people that kind of, you know, like paved the way for that. Yeah. The hall of famer, hands down. Yeah. Give it to her. Give it to her. (laughs) (laughs) So remind the people once again, Jocelyn, where they can talk to us, catch up on all the information. Well, my sophisticated spectators, just come on down. Come on over to IG. You can find us at beyondthebleachers underscore. We want to hear from you. We want to chat with y'all. We want to know who do y'all think we should give a nod to as far as, you know, the talks around MVP of 2023. What team do y'all think should be in the finals or going to make it to the playoffs and be a problem? We want to know, okay? We want to know from, we want to hear from y'all. Talk to us. (laughs) 
you said it so well. I have like nothing to say after that. <laughs> so once again, that's IG Beyond the Bleachers underscore. Come and talk to us uh, because y'all be hitting up our phones. But talk to us on IG because <laughs> right into the ground. That's where it. That's where it really happens because we have so much to say on there. Um, especially as games are going on, we have so much to say. So we want to hear your thoughts. And it's been a great episode. I feel like this one might be one of my favorite episodes. Ooh, so. I can't wait to hear it back. I can't wait to hear it back. Because I do listen to it back. Call me corny. I don't care. I like to hear us back. Like, And I'm like, oh my gosh, Sam said that. I, I really like that note I, that she made, that point she made. I got to hear it back, you know? <laughs> I definitely time. listen back to it too. So I'm excited for this episode and I'm excited for our future episodes. Yes, man. Next time. And next week we will talk about my experience with the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces. I can't wait to hear. And who's going to win? <laughs> Lot tickets. TBT. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week's episode. But Jocelyn, I will, as always, catch you in the next one. See you next time, girl. Bye. Bye.